When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome once again to the Talking Real Money Friday question and answer session. Yes, this episode is completely devoted to those things that you, our loyal and lovely listeners, want to know about money and investing, mainly investing. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to answer your questions. And those questions come in one of two ways. They come in either via our phone number, which you can use 24 hours a day and just leave your question, 855-935-TALK. Also, that phone number is good for live conversation between you, me, and Tom every Saturday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to actually talk one-on-one, have a conversation. Call on Saturdays starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific, 855-935-TALK. The other way you can send us questions is to either type them or actually speak them at our website, talkingrealmoney.com, on the contact form. So you got a couple of ways. Call us, 855-935-TALK, or send them in at talkingrealmoney.com. And let's get started with the only question we have this week that was called in to 855-935-TALK. Hi, Tom and Don. Uh, this is Vaughn from Ohio. Just wanted to know your feelings about the T. Rowe Price Capital Appreciation Fund versus the Wellington Fund. And I was just wondering, uh, I kind of did some searching through it. Uh, one of the biggest differences seems to be in their bond holdings. The T. Rowe Price has a percentage of junk bond status. And also they have a little bit more mid-cap growth uh, versus the Wellington and I did some uh, back test on both of the funds going against each other head-to-head. The T-Row price comes out ahead. Uh, it is uh, has a higher expense ratio than Wellington. And uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on those two funds where once I'm retired, I was, uh, you know, wanted to simplify my portfolios and maybe, you know, put a chunk of money into Wellington or, or maybe the T. Rowe price capital appreciation and just pull out what I need from one or one of those funds, you know, in January. And that'll be my yearly allowance plus my social security and just uh, simplify things. So any thoughts? I appreciate it. Have a good day. While yours may seem to most people like a really simple question, in other words, which one do I like better? Here's the problem. I don't like either one of them better. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're different. They're different. And, and this is where we get into trouble as investors. We start to look for the right investment rather than understand what we want our investments to do for us, how they fit into the rest of our portfolio. So you're looking for the product when you really should be looking for a solution to the, how do I generate the right kind of income with the right kind of risk in retirement? Now, to get that question answered takes a little more time. But what I would suggest is you first start with our risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. But past that, you know, then you have to start to build a portfolio. Now, what I'm going to do is answer your question as best I can, since I can't really get into the planning aspect of this with you because I don't have you actually on the phone. I would use neither the T. Rowe Price Capital Appreciation nor the Vanguard Wellington. You're right. The Wellington is far less expensive. It's about 50 basis points, about half of 1% cheaper. Its performance, um, the, the Wellington has underperformed the T. Rowe Price Capital Appreciation in the past. But this is where past performance can be very misleading because one would expect a higher return from T. Rowe Price Capital Appreciation over the past 15 years for a, a couple of reasons. One, because U.S. stocks, U.S. stocks, U.S. growth stocks particularly, have done very well during that 15-year period. So the U.S. market has done really well. The other thing is T. Rowe Price is taking huge or has taken probably will continue to, they're taking huge risks on the bond side of the portfolio, which has enhanced their return. Has. In the past. In the future, should we go into a recessionary environment? Should something happen? A lot of those bonds, they could just go belly up. Not just go down in value, but go away completely. Those risks are gigantic. Vanguard Wellington's portfolio is much, much better in terms of bond quality uh, both of them, though, lack diversity, diversification. The T. Rowe Price Fund has 156 stocks as of recently. The Vanguard Wellington, only 70. That is not diversification in the stock market. What you get is the top of the S&P 500, basically. If you want to compare apples to apples, then your better comparison is the Vanguard Balanced Index Mutual Fund, which is VBIAX. The Vanguard uh, Wellington is 0.16% per year. The Vanguard Balanced Index is 0.07, so it's far less expensive. Its return is comparable, slightly below, but not much, and its risk is slightly below the balanced on a measuring scale, standard deviation. But the huge difference is the index owns 3,300 stocks as opposed to 70 at Vanguard Wellington. So if you're going to choose among those three, I would choose the Vanguard Balanced Index. However, I'm going to throw a, a little wrench into the works here. I said the U.S. market has done better over the past 15 years. That is not always the case. Between 2000 and 2010, international stocks did far better than U.S. stocks, but they are no longer included in that calculation. So when you look at a fund that has really great diversification, U.S. international, 
uh, stocks and bonds and is reasonably well-balanced, then you probably ought to look at the target retirement funds at Vanguard. Retirement 2025 comes pretty darn close to the kind of balance you have in the others. It is a 0.08 expense fund uh, as it has about 13,000 stocks in its portfolio. 13,000. Now, the best way to do this, though, the best way to do this is to, one, figure out how much money you need this money to make you. Two, determine how much risk you can tolerate. Then three, build a well-diversified portfolio based on those two factors. You want to take the right amount of risk to provide the return you need, but not more risk than you need. You don't want to get greedy and scare yourself out of the market down the road. So you've got to balance those two. And the best way to do that is to start working on a plan. Um, And I know that's not the easiest thing to do, but to just buy one fund is rarely the solution unless you don't have a lot of assets and you didn't mention how much you have to invest. So um, that would be my advice up to a point. And of course, we'd, we'd love to talk with you more about it. Give us a call, 855-935-TALK. And again, Saturdays are when we can talk live from uh, 3 to 5 Eastern time. Now, our next question and subsequent questions will all come from the Talking Real Money website where lovely folks like you actually recorded your question using your computer and hopefully hopefully by now you've gotten yourself a decent computer microphone hi don and tom love the show i understand during the typical bear market stocks drop something like 30 percent and i know right now year to date uh the s p is down about 13 percent so my question is If we're in a bear market or if we're entering a bear market, as some people predict, can we expect stocks to drop down significantly more than they are right now? Thanks for the question. It's a pretty common question. And it it all revolves around this really important word that you used in your question, and that's the word if. You said if we are in a bear market or going into a bear market, well, one, we are not in a bear market because that would be a decline of 20% in stock prices, and we have not hit that number. At least we haven't as of the time I'm recording this. Or if we're about to enter one, ah, there lies the rub. Are we about to enter one? Sure, some people are predicting it. Um, were people predicting we were about to enter a bear market in 2010? Yes. I'll answer that question for you. 2011? Yes. 2012? Yes. 13? Yes. 14? Yes. 15? Yes. 16? Yes. 17? Yes. 18? Yes. 19? Yes. 20? Yeah, we had a bear market. We did. Short one. Didn't last very long, but we had one. But here's the problem. Let's assume for a minute that there's no if. We are going to go into a bear market, and the typical bear market goes down 30%. Okay? We're just assuming that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. This is all hypothetical, but let's assume it for a minute. We are in a bear market. We're not, but we are, because we're assuming that, and the average bear market goes down by by about 30%. When do you buy back in? 
if you're absolutely confident. Because remember, the average goes down 30%. What if this one goes down 25% and then bounces back up a little bit, goes down 24%, bounces back up a little bit, goes down to about a 26% loss, bounces back up a little bit, and you're sitting there going, I am going to get in when it hits that 30 number. That's what I'm going. And it never hits it. Suddenly, it's back up 10. It's back up 15. It's back up 20. And you're just sitting in cash going, oh, hmm, didn't work out for me. You, you, you are trying to do what most investors try to do. And this is the folly of most investors. They try to anticipate the right time to do things based on ifs. The problem is we don't know what this if is going to look like. We don't. We, we could be done. We could be done today when I'm recording this Friday. Um, as a matter of fact, let's look. Let's just look and see because I think the market's about to close as I'm recording this on Friday. And let's see where we are. Uh, I have to actually type in the right domain name for it to work. But uh, once we do that, oh, let's see. Well, we are down. The S&P is down a couple of percent, but it's not, uh, no, it's not down 20 year to date. No, let's see, as a percentage, it's down about, well, about where you said it was, about 13 and three quarters. Because remember, since you've called, it bounced up last week. So where do you get in? Is this, the, is this it? Are we done now? Maybe. There's no rule that says we have to have a bear market every X number of years. No rule. No rhyme, no reason to this because we're dealing with billions of investors all acting in their own specific ways, but that makes them very, very unpredictable. And you also have to remember that markets anticipate things. They don't react to things. So this is not going to work. I know what you're trying to do, but it's a fool's game, and I've seen a lot of very smart fools fail. Uh, you don't know what the future is going to do, nor do any of those experts. They're not experts on the future. They are only experts in their field and they're experts on the past. Because the only thing you can know with any certainty is the past. So every one of us who considers ourselves to be a financial expert, and I think after 40 years in this industry, I'm I'm up there. I think I'm there. I think I can take expert status. And I'm not stupid enough to believe that I am an expert on anything except what has proceeded today. I cannot be an expert on tomorrow, nor can anyone else. Thanks so much for your question. And now, let's go back to TalkingRealMoney.com again for our next query. Hi, gentlemen. My name is Mark. I live in Michigan. I have two daughters that I'm saving uh, for college four, uh, one is finishing 10th grade and the other one is finishing eighth grade. Um, up till the past year, uh, from the year they were born, we put money away in a 529. Um, with the recent uh, stock market uh, tribulations and so forth, I started redirecting a lot of the money I put in my 529s to uh, I-bonds. Um, so currently my strategy is uh, that uh, I'm funding the I-bonds quite a bit more than the 529s. And once, especially with my older daughter, once we get to 
when she starts college, I will select which one I take the money out of based on which one is doing better. So if the 529 is doing well um, and it's in a target fund, um, if it's doing well, then why then I'll take it out of there. Uh, if not, uh, I'll wait on that and take it out of the I bonds. Uh, just wondering what you thought of that strategy, uh, whether you see any uh, problems with it and what suggestions you might have. Thank you very much. Well, good job saving for your kids. Um, glad you're doing it. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. I think this strategy has some basic soundness. It's a little more complicated than I do, really. Um, but what you're in essence saying is I'm going to sell high, which is what you want to do. The whole concept is buy low, sell high. There's a little timing component in it, but it's not really timing. Um uh, now, remember, though, with those uh, those I-bonds, they only do well when we have inflation. <laughs> if we don't, they do poorly um, and, uh, and and pretty decent inflation. The other thing to bear in mind is they have to be held for five years or you lose some of those nice returns that we're enjoying in this high inflation environment. So um, works great for the eighth grader, really perfect for the eighth grader i think you're going to find that you want to take the money out of the 529 for the 10th grader and remember if you've got the 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 right kind of portfolio in your 529 one that lowers risk as you get closer to needing the money then you really shouldn't worry too much about market volatility and that's why i say maybe you've gone farther than you need to go you're doing like a lot of us do and that is overthinking it because there should be a glide path on your portfolio. Most of the good ones have glide paths so that you get lower risk as you get closer to school. So good job, Stephen, for the kids, though. And thanks for listening to Talking Real Money. And please spread the word. And let's go back to another Talking Real Money generated question. Hi, Don and Tom. On a recent show, you suggested to someone that they fire the Vanguard personal advisor um, because they only had Vanguard funds, and those funds were split between VTI, BND, VXUS, and BNDX. I have a very similar situation, and I'm considering firing my personal advisor following your suggestion um, while retaining Vanguard. I personally do not feel that I have any value funds in my portfolio, which consists of VTI, BND, VXUS, and BNDX, like the other person you spoke with. Now, I'm retiring about a year from now, and I want to get your suggestion on which value funds and the approximate percentages I should put into those. I've been considering ETFs such as AVUV, as well as one from Victory, uh, the Victory Share U.S. Small Cap High Dividend World, the uh, fund being CSB. And I also wondered if I needed a large cap ETF fund to go along with that. And if so, which one? Thank you for your assistance. And thank you for your call and for listening. Uh, it's so funny. And we're, we're seeing this a lot where the Vanguard advisors are charging a fee 
for creating a portfolio of four funds for people. <laughs> four ETFs. And it's the same ones over and over again. Well, heck, we can give you that for free. And we often do. It's just, you know, go do VT, BND, VXUS, and BNDX, or just do VT and BND even. And by the way, that is a portfolio we've been giving online for a long time. I, I, I mean, <laughs> they're not earning. They're not earning their fee, their annual fee. How are they earning it? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. It just seems like additional profit for Vanguard to me. but Because, again, they don't believe, as we do, that small cap value really helps boost a portfolio. Now, as to the percentage you should have, I can't... Well, if you have your stock bond ratio worked out, then your, your small cap value should probably be about 20% of that. And of the two you mentioned, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a hesitation, I would go with AVUV. It is a very aggressive fund, but so is CSB. And what's fascinating is the difference in the size of the portfolio, the uh, the fee structure, the the uh, the victory shares is almost 40 basis points, whereas the AVUV is only 25 basis points. The portfolio over at Victory Shares is 100 stocks. The portfolio at AVUV, the Avantis Fund, is 650 stocks. Uh, the level of risk is similar. And here's something fascinating, and I don't, I'm not saying this because I think it means a darn thing. It may just mean that the, what they happen to have in their portfolio was just a little luckier. But actually, small cap value is one of the few segments of the market that has done recently reasonably well. Whereas the uh, the victory shares, the CSB, is down year to date in our little bad market. Um, let me just double check the number. I, I didn't write the number down. It's down 6.65%. Year to date, AVUV, get this. You think all stocks are down? Not this one. AVUV is actually up year to date. Okay, by a lousy little 0.58, but it's actually up, which is weird. Um, so if I was going to, and I wouldn't bother putting in, in, I don't believe in making your portfolio a lot more difficult than it need be. And if you're going to manage this yourself, then stick with VTI and VXUS and BND and BNDX or simplify it even more and just go VT and BND and add AVUV as your AVUV. I think I may have said it wrong earlier. I get my into the alphabet letters confused in my brain. Uh, AVUV uh, as your small cap and just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. And don't pay somebody extra money for a simple portfolio for which they do very little to help you manage it. Why pay? You're right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And I think with that question, we're going to call it a Q&A session. Now, we are pretty much caught up. We were way behind over the winter uh, on, on our questions, trying to get through them as fast as possible. So I think we've gotten through all of them now. Uh, so... We're ready for new ones. Give us a call at 855-935-TALK or send your questions in 
You can type them, but we prefer them spoken. If you have a mic on your computer, it sounds so much better. It makes for a better show. Uh, speak them in at TalkingRealMoney.com, and we will try and answer those on our Friday get-together. And uh, then call us on, on Saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern Time at 855-935-TALK to talk with Tom and me live on our radio show we do in Seattle that becomes the week, the Monday and Tuesday podcast. And yes, they've worked on fixing the recorder at the station, so it's supposed to work this time. And from now on, they got a backup. So with that, oh, I want to mention one other thing. For those of you who would like a little bit of help, just getting started, you're thinking, okay, I don't know how to put together a plan. I don't know how to figure out how much income I might need in retirement. I don't know if I have a halfway decent portfolio. I don't know how much I'm paying for these funds because it's just too blasted confusing. I don't know if I have a fiduciary advisor, any of those kinds of things. Uh, one of our advisors will spend some time with you. And I know that's what everybody says, but I can assure you with most firms, you're going to get a sales pitch. You're not going to get information. You are not going to get actionable, actual help that'll make a difference whether you get an advisor in the future or not, and certainly whether you hire us or not. Do we like that you hire us? Yes. It is the greatest compliment you can give us. Do we require it to help you? No. Tom and I wouldn't have been doing this for so long. So if you do want some help, though, go to Vestory.com. That'll soon be changing. Uh, but for now, it's vestory.com. And go down to the bottom of the page. There is a little appointment setting tool. And as a matter of fact, Tom has said, he said on a recent podcast, if you set up an appointment for an upcoming Saturday morning, he's going to try and take as many of those as he can. Otherwise, you'll get one of our advisors in there. Terrific. They, they really are smart, wonderful people who have they have the desire to help. They're not just in it to make a lot of money, which is different than most of the people in the financial services industry. So go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Spread the word, tell your friends, share us on social media. It's really easy to do. Just go to one of your podcast apps and there's usually a share button and you can share us with friends. You can go, oh, I really like this podcast. Share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please don't leave a negative review if there's a technical problem. One guy got all bent out of shape because we had some noise in the podcast that came from the connection to the guests that we couldn't get rid of. Please don't one-star us for a technical problem. That's just not fair. Makes people think we're a bad show. I thought that was rude. Anyway, thanks for being there. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you real soon because we're here all the time talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. As you keep the lawyers happy.